HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Erica Wise, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hi, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, January 14th. This is the 49th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an award-winning journalist, film producer, and digital content creator, and I will introduce her shortly. But first, as I do on every show, I will start with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to use visuals to tell your story. For a restaurant, invest in a professional photographer who can take beautiful images of your food, space, chef, etc. Photos can not only be used for media purposes, but for websites, marketing materials, and social media. And to take it one step further... Hire a video specialist who can capture your story, concept, and dishes on film. They say a picture paints a thousand words. Imagine what a video can do. So get visual. That's my tip today. Now, I'm very happy to have my guest here. It is Nicole Cotronio Jolly. She is an award-winning journalist, film producer, and digital content creator. Nicole has written over 100 articles for the New York Times. And as an on-camera expert, she has appeared on the Food Network and the Travel Channel. Her work on food, agriculture, and travel has been published by the Washington Post, Modern Farmer, National Geographic Traveler, and more. Nicole is the founder of How Does It Grow? Telling the stories of our food from field to fork. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here in this cozy, warm studio. Oh, when... So much better than outside. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. 
And you made the trip out from Philadelphia. Yes, where I moved two years ago from New York. Well, I appreciate you coming out here. It's it's not that bad of a commute. Not at all. I really do feel like, well, don't tell a Philadelphian this, but New York, New York's sixth borough. It's right. <laughs> I've heard that before. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it feels like that. You can get here so easily, you know? And so many New York expats are there, so it's great. Yes, it is. Um, and so... So people know we we randomly met. Well, I randomly met your husband, right, Mark. <laughs> I I was at a having a late lunch in the city and sitting next to him, and he was a, having an interesting conversation with a colleague, yeah. and words like travel and food and uh, concierge kept coming up, and so I, I introduced myself. Yes. And then you were coming here for the Alice Waters yes. Carlo Petrini event. We did the Slow Food event. That was amazing. Which was like a week later. Yeah. And what do you know? We met, yeah. and now we're here. I know. Thank you for having us. <laughs> oh, I'm so I'm I'm so glad. I love I love spontaneous things like that, and yeah. that I met him, and now I met you. It's It's Fabulous. I love it. I just love it. It is fabulous. Okay, so so tell me a bit about your background then. How did sure. you get into writing and, yeah. and producing films? Yeah, so right out of university, I started as a community newspaper reporter. And um, that was a great way to really kind of learn discipline in writing and how to ask questions. And I was, you know, you name it, I was writing about it, education, politics, you know, at a, at a small weekly paper, you kind of have to do it all. So I started out uh, on Long Island, which is where I'm originally from. Okay. And um, I worked out there for a while. And um, I didn't write about food initially. Um, but a colleague of mine at um, an iconic Hamptons paper called Dan's Papers, um, asked me if I would start writing some restaurant reviews, which I was probably highly unqualified for at the time, but I was intrigued and I always like a challenge. So, and I always loved food. Um, my mom is a great cook. So I started doing that and I really loved the process of analyzing food and, and trying to find the story behind a restaurant. Um, so in tandem to my sort of other work, I started doing this food writing and um, eventually yeah, moved, moved on and started writing for the New York Times and, um, and, you know, just kind of took my career from there. I had no idea you reviewed restaurants. Yeah. it's <laughs> great. Back in the day. Yeah. So, so what type of stories were you writing for the Times? So for the Times, it was, again, uh, sort of you name it, I wrote about it. So I was um, concentrating on metro and regional news. So, I mean, everything from triple homicides to, um, you know, Bill Clinton flying into stump for Hillary at the time, you know, it, really, I was just sort of called on for, for anything, you know, and everything, which was great. Again, I love that. I love that challenge of, of learning something new every day. And, um, and then, and they knew that I liked to write about food and travel. So they would throw me some of those stories as well. And then you wrote for other publications as yeah. well. Yeah. So long at that time I was freelancing, um, and uh, for other papers and um, started doing a lot of travel writing. And that's um, how I sort of got in more into the travel and food world um, and got away from, uh, you know, regular hard mm -hmm. news. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, so I started, you know, do, p doing pieces for the Washington Post, uh, you know, National Geographic Traveler, that sort of thing. Um, 
my husband, well, he wasn't my husband at the time, but my husband and I um, started a website called Globarati.com uh, at the time. And that is all about luxury travel news. So I started, um, you know, doing a lot of traveling with that site. He um, was a longtime uh, contributing editor to Conde Nast Traveler. So he brought, at the time, this is, you know, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago when it, when it wasn't as frequent to have the kind of content that you were reading in magazines online. Mm -hmm. So he started that website and uh, we started, uh, you know, traveling and, 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 and yeah, writing from there. <laughs> it's, it's the type of career that I get jealous of, the <laughs> traveling, writing, doing, yeah. It's... <laughs> I, I can't lie. It is pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then now on camera mm. appearances, cause you were on the food network and right. how did that come about? Yeah. Those are just like, you know, very much like this, very sort of serendipitous sort of, um, opportunities. Um, Again, back about 10 years ago when the blog landscape was a little less populated, I had a blog called New York Girl Eats World. It's not, oh. it doesn't exist anymore. Okay. But um, yeah, so I was writing about food and travel and I had, um, I have a friend from v Venezuela who is a chef and he would do a weekly column on my blog and uh, the Food Network came to us because there was a throwdown with Bobby Flay um, with Caracas Arepas, and they were looking for you know some Venezuelan expertise, and they knew about my uh, my friend chef and uh, and a writer to kind of sound off. So we judged an episode of that, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. Well, he's Bobby's been on the sh on the network a long time. He's had a um a great run of yeah. tons of oh my god really cool shows and i remember that one yeah down. Yeah. yeah he's a sweet guy too in in real life he's a he's a real he's a real charmer yeah <laughs> no i've met him before yeah. and 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 actually in his restaurant here now gato is is amazing yeah yeah it's doing great yeah so no he's he's a hard-working guy and he's yeah. yeah he's had a lot of shows on the network i so know i know that must have been fun yeah it was it was a lot of fun so then when did you, so with producing the videos and t how did you want to get to how to take that yeah. leap? Yeah. Um, you know, going from writing to storytelling on camera is not too far um, of a leap. But, um, you know, we saw the writing on the wall, uh, you know, video was starting to, you know, really get easier to produce. Um when you're, you know, uh, have when you have a, the proper tools on a very sort of nimble crew, on a pared down crew. So um, we got into video um, about six years ago, and um, it was great. It was another challenge, you know how to how do we tell stories um, with this visual medium? You know how do we adjust to show don't tell? Um, and we so because we were doing a lot of hospitality stuff at the time. Uh, we started our company that we have today called Manic Media and um, and started creating mostly hotel videos, but now we have branched out to all types of lifestyle brands. Um, but it was during that work that the seed for How Does It Grow started. Ah, yeah. No pun intended. Ah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> None at all. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, you know, you, as you come to appreciate um, video and, and learning from video, um, you know, I, I, I started looking for the types of videos that we eventually started creating with How Does It Grow? Um, just those 
foundational stories about how our food grows. And when I was looking for it, it wasn't there. And I was shocked. I mean, it seems like very ripe for that kind of medium, right? <laughs> getting, uh, here we go. I'm oh my getting God. them all. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm on it. a roll. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so we, um, you know, so we thought, okay, this content's not out there. We would love um, something like this. Uh, maybe others would too. And um, as we started to sort of conceive the project, we really wanted it to be something that everybody could access. Um, I, I feel that we call it agricultural literacy. Uh, we feel that, you know, I know I feel very sort of um, illiterate when it comes to um, matters of agriculture, or I did before I started How Does It Grow? And I just thought, if we don't know where our food comes from, how can we um, really make those healthy choices that we should be making? You know, if if yeah. I've talked to a lot of teachers and teachers often tell me the same story, which is um, that their students don't realize that a french fry is a potato. And I thought, if we're going to teach them how to choose maybe the healthier roasted alternative to a fried potato, how are they going to make that connection if they don't know that they're both potatoes to begin with, right? So yeah, just, right. you know, what are they eating and, and how does it grow? So, um, yeah, so how does it grow was, was really born from, from, that, from that effort. What year was that? When did you start? So we, we started it with a Kickstarter uh, at the end of 2013. So we're just over a year old. Ah, love, yeah. love Kickstarter. <laughs> I know it was it was it was an amazing experience um, because it not only helped us you know raise the money for the initial episodes so we could keep them all free, um, but it also you know helped us obviously build an audience and to gauge the interest in that topic, and that was what was so exciting. We realized that this wasn't just something we were interested in. A lot of people wanted to know this information so it was um it was an exciting start to how does it grow and so we're we're um on our fifth episode we just put it out um yesterday what is the episode that just came out it's all about apples oh. <laughs> how do they grow <laughs> so every every story traces a single crop um, from farm to fork. So we go to a farm where that crop is growing and we, you know, take you all through the process um, and then end with um, a very easy tip of how to incorporate it um, into your diet in a, in a pretty healthy way. Oh, I can't wait to see that one. <laughs> it was fun. I'm sure it was. Okay, we're going to talk with Nicole a little more after this break, so stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. And today's break song is called New Dutch by Mamarazzi. This is Heritage Radio Network. Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network.org, the ICC with locations in New York and California 
provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at internationalculinarycenter.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Nicole Catronio Jolly of How Does It Grow? And we're talking about how does it grow. So what's the process like in making a video about apples? Yeah, so um, every story starts with a lot of research, um, which is where the journalism background comes in really handy. So, um, uh, so with apples, for instance, actually apples was a unique experience because we partnered with Red Tomato, which is a wonderful um, ethical distributor of produce, and they hooked us up with... Um, a great farm in Connecticut called Lyman Orchards, and they're one of the oldest orchards in America, uh, so they had a wonderful story to tell. And Red Tomato and Lyman Orchards actually um, worked to create a program called Eco Apple, where they grow apples um, with a very um, uh, rigorous Uh, what's called an integrated pest management program. So to try to minimize the use of pesticides. And every time we tell these stories, we want um, to incorporate, you know, a different angle, a different theme to agriculture. So um, we talked about organics in a cauliflower um, video. This gave us the opportunity to talk about um, IPM programs, so integrated pest management. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we went up there, and before we actually go, and we basically shoot from sun up to sundown, it's a really kind of rigorous day. And before that, I um, basically get on the phone with the farmer, and I talk his ear off. I ask him a million questions, everything about the growth process. And um, all the information that I get, I glean um, down to a script. And um, basically, there's... Um, a modest crew. There's only three of us um, who go. And uh, so my husband, Mark, who is my business partner as well, he um, directs and, and runs sound. And we have one cameraman and and then there's me. <laughs> and, uh, and and so we, we, we spend the time um, with the farmer and, uh, and see how everything happens. And then we film a little kitchen uh, segment at the end. And then there's many weeks and rounds of edits. <laughs> We're all perfectionists, so we um, we really go through and trim it down. Uh, we try to keep the videos um, just under five minutes um, because, you know, attention spans. <laughs> People's attention <laughs> spans days, are so right? short. And, mm-hmm. of course, we want them to be tools that can be used anywhere, in the classroom, um, by parents teaching kids at home. And um, I'm happy to say that these videos are being used. Um, in those uh, educational environments, which is thrilling. And eventually, we would like to create um, some curriculum around the videos. So we will really create the first platform um, for teaching and learning agricultural literacy so that you'd come to one location, howgrow.org, and you can see a whole library of content. Um, every vegetable, fruit, grain, that, nut that you can think of, you can watch and, and learn how it grows. And then there will be activities um, around it so that teachers and parents can kind of tease out those themes that we touch on in every video. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, I was going to ask, where can someone view yeah, these videos? Yeah. So it's on your website. So it's on our website, but it's um, we use all the video platforms. So you can find us um, 
on YouTube at How Grow Video. Uh, you can find, find us on Vimeo. Um, we have wonderful distribution partners as well. Um, so, uh, in fact, we just um, signed with Yahoo, so they'll be picking up our videos, which is wonderful. It puts us in amazing company with the New York Times and Martha Stewart and all those wonderful people. Um, and also, um, you know, Food Tank is a great supporter of ours. Um, we've been working with Food and Wine, so lots of lots of great outlets. Um, pick up these videos. And of course, with social media these days, they mm -hmm. just, you know, they go out like wildfire. So um, we're, I think, uh, something close to 150,000 uh, plays on the series um, so far in just a handful of episodes. So we're really thrilled. That's terrific. Yeah. Well, I have seen your cranberry one. Oh, yeah. Which that was it, fabulous. It's, it, it's such a well shot, Thank beautiful, you. beautiful uh, film. And I've always seen those ocean spray commercials right? and you wonder and they're standing yeah. there in the cranberries and you got to stand there in the cranberries. Oh my God, it was so much fun. No, absolutely, right? I, I mean, my only connection point to cranberries was seeing those um, ocean spray commercials and you wonder, do cranberries just grow in these lakes, in these uh -huh. bogs, right? Do they grow underwater? And of course we found out that they don't um, grow all year underwater. Um, so we got to tell that story, which was fantastic. And we did it right before Thanksgiving, which was so perfect. Timely. Yeah. And it, it was, um, uh, funny enough, New Jersey is the third uh, most, I don't know, cranberry-producing states, um, which I didn't, I didn't realize. I always think of Massachusetts. So we got to go to this special area called the Pine Barrens, which grows most of the cranberries. Um, and uh, and the farm we worked with was so wonderful. And yeah, I got to wade in there and and you did help. The, and you did the underwater yeah shots as well, yeah. which was very cool. Yeah, we really try to kind of just bring a new perspective to everything. So we used um, a drone on that one. We had underwater housing over our cameras for that. So yeah, that's a very rare view to see cranberries underwater. It was very cool. Yeah, no, I know. I appreciated it. Oh, thank and you. again, I was a little, I was a little jealous. I was like, <laughs> that looks like fun. It is fun though. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's hard, right? I mm -hmm. feel, but my, my crew is, is amazing. And they just, I mean, you do not stop the whole day because you really just want to get every angle, every, you know, every storyline out of it. But it is, it's happy work. It's happy work. Yeah. Happy hard work. Yeah. Let me ask you the question I have from my guest who was on the show last week. Yes. I had on Carla Siegel. She's the former brand creative director for the restaurants of Danielle Ballou. Mm. And now she's on her own as a branding, marketing, and communications consultant with a focus on hospitality. So she wanted to know, with so much happening in the digital and video world, what do you think of Vine and Snapchat? Uh, do you think they are viable video platforms for communication and promotion? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I do. I think I think Vine is a great um, platform. It's it's especially good for showing sort of behind the scenes. If we're talking restaurants, right? Everybody wants to see behind the curtain. It's where the rise of the chef's table came, right? Um, so using Vine to capture the action in the kitchen, something like that, seems really perfect. Um, Snapchat, I'm a little bit skeptical about because it sort of goes away, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't last forever. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I'm not, I'm not an expert on Snapchat, but I think those platforms are very ripe to be used, certainly. Yes, I'm not, uh, Snapchat, 
I'm sort of, I, I feel like I need to give it a try. Yeah. Because I I don't use it, and no. yet it's very popular. It is. It's huge. And, and I feel a little bit old when I'm saying, oh, Snapchat. <laughs> I do, sure too. <laughs> the <laughs> younger generation. <laughs> There's always going to be something, though, right? So we have to stay on top of these things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought it was a good question. That was it a good is. answer. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so what what's coming up next? Do you, yeah. Can you tell us? Yeah, absolutely. Well, a little bit. I'll tease it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we have a lot of kind of different things that we're working on right now. Obviously, the episodes are um, paramount for us. And that Kickstarter um, uh, that we did was for the first six episodes. So we're, we have one more episode to go um, with that sort of... Um, uh, those funds that we raised there. So obviously the oh, top priority for us right now is to um, uh, find partners, find sponsorship partners to help us sustain uh, the video series. Um, we really feel passionate, passionately that these videos have to stay free to everyone who, who needs this education. Um, so, uh, you know, we need to, um, find some funding for that. And that's a priority for us this year. Um, also to start writing, uh, the curriculum around those videos. Uh, we have actually had some wonderful teachers who have been using it step forward and say they want to help us out with that. So, um, we'll start doing that and teasing out the themes of, of the existing videos already. And, um, and then of course shooting. Uh, so we're, we're planning some, some trips to warmer climes right now. (laughs) Smart. Right. We know (laughs) we have to go where things are growing, you know, and, um, and and so, uh, we have two trips in the works, um, one down to possibly down to Florida, uh, which would give us access to lots of produce. So we're just trying to narrow down the opportunities there. Oranges. I know. (laughs) How do they grow? You know, it's funny. Mangoes. Right? Exactly. Uh, you would, you wouldn't believe peanuts grow in Florida. I mean, so many, so many different things. Yeah. I grew up in Miami. Oh, you do? So you do know. (laughs) Well, those are the, those are the two that, that come to mind first. (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's funny when, when I talk about, um, the different ideas that we have. I, I remember, in fact, pitching apples to my husband and partner, Mark, and he was like, really? Apples? You know, they seem so basic, but when you start drilling into it, it is absolutely mind-blowing. Just the most basic things about the seed. I'm not going to give this away, because in the first 20 seconds of watching the Apple video, you'll realize what I'm talking about. It's mind-blowing how unique an Apple is. And I just didn't know about it, you know? So so even the most basic of fruits and vegetables have really amazing stories. Yeah, well, you're talking about educating kids, but yeah. I think adults... Absolutely. need the education as well. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And we try to make these videos appeal to both demographics. Um, you know, for the kids, uh, we generally say around you know, 12 years old and older will we'll respond to this um, really well. Uh, and adults uh, just seem to love it as well, which I'm, I'm thrilled about because we're not trying to sort of dumb down the language or anything like that. We think that, you know, kids have powerful minds. And if the top topic is interesting enough, they're going to get into it. And it's visually very stimulating. Yes. Yeah. Well, terrific. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to take another break here and we're going to come back. We're going to do my speed round game and talk some industry news. Fun. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network.
We're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest is Nicole Catronio-Jolly. It's time for my speed round game. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So I'm just going to name two things and you pick your preference. Okay. Eat in or eat out? Eat in. Wine, beer, or cocktail? Can I say neither? Sure. (laughs) Neither. I'm not much of a drinker. Either am I. (laughs) Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Large plates, please. (laughs) (laughs) Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Uh, Tipping. Communal table or chef's counter? Communal. Writing or filming? Oh, that's so tough. That's unfair. Okay, filming these days. (laughs) (laughs) Cranberries or raisins? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have to say cranberries now. I thought you might go in that direction. (laughs) Okay, two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Philadelphia? Oh, oh. My heart will always belong to Manhattan. Ooh. <laughs> I hope Philly's not listening. I love Philly, too. <laughs> Great. You are very good at this game. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, some industry news this week. So today, the New York Times reviewed Upland, mm-hmm. and it's off of Park Avenue South. It's by Pete Wells. Gave it two stars. Yeah. I really liked it. Yeah, he really did. It was quite a glowing review, I thought. It was. I mean, he it's, he started it saying he that's the restaurant he's recommending for people to go to. I know. You can't get better than that. <laughs> no, you can't. And actually, I did a, one of my solo dining experiences there. Oh, great. Uh, what did you think? It was, it was really good. I ate at the bar. I mean, the thing, I didn't have that much. I only had two dishes. Okay. And so he was talking about the pizzas and the pastas. And I didn't yes. have that. Um, okay. Um, but it's it's... Uh, the chef is Justin Smiley, and mm. he's he's known for from El Buco and very well liked his cuisine there. And yes. I think it's being very well received here. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we we um, got to film Il Buco Alimentari when we were doing a series for the Bowery Hotel a couple of years back, and they are just phenomenal. You know, baking their own bread and you know the whole bit, which was amazing. So I was excited to see that he's moved on to to another endeavor. Yeah, and his. His, I don't know, he's a partner, but the owner is Stephen Starr yes, from which Philadelphia. Is a big, yeah, it's a big Philadelphia. I mean, he mm-hmm. has an empire. Yeah. And and I have to say, I like um, quite a few of his restaurants. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, when I was in Philly a couple of years ago and I, I went to a few of his places mm. and then I went to Jose Garces yes. also because yes. those are like the big... Philly. And he's and, opening yeah. a branch, right? Right. Well, that was my, my next article oh. was, well, no, no, that's, that's a good segue. <laughs> All right. There we um, go. I mean, there were a lot of articles about roundups from last year. And now this was a little more focused on what's happening in 2015. Yeah. And it was in the New York Post. And it was, I mean, it was titled uh, Pizza Speakeasy, Ralph Lauren's Atelier, mm. and 45 Hot New Eateries. And it's... Um, but yeah, Jose, he's, and I, I've met him before. He's, he's terrific. And he's opening a branch of his Amada at yes. Brookfield Place. Yes, which is great. I mean, I love his stuff. In fact, we're huge fans of Distrito. That's his, uh, that's one of his Philly restaurants, which is fabulous. <laughs> yes, I didn't go to that one. He has like a dozen. He has so many. <laughs> Volver. I mean, he has, yeah, he, he, he's another one with an empire. Yeah, I think between him and then and Mark Fetri, there yes. are those are yeah, they're the, the big th- ones. Um, and Mike Solomonoff is, oh, is probably right. the other the 
the trifecta. I've been to Zahav. Oh, fabulous. We love Zahav. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, Federal Donuts is sort of a cult classic. I know. I'm due for a trip back because... When I was when I was there, it wasn't open yet. Oh, come visit! I'll take you around. Okay, <laughs> perfect, excellent. And then a, a few more things opening in New York. They had well, just this week, Ralph Lauren opened a, the Polo Club, oh. the Polo Bar, which got buzz a Midtown. Oh. And there's there's new pizzerias, and there's a lot happening down at at World Trade Center. Yes. So we'll, uh, well, yeah. Looking forward to that, because that area of the financial district has never been a Never restaurant. been a food area, right? Yeah, never go-to yeah. place. And now there's a lot happening. And I even just read today that, uh, well, Anthony Bourdain is opening a market down there. That's right. Is that the French market, or is that something different? They just said they're calling it Bourdain Market. Oh, okay. No, I'm thinking of And else. there hasn't been that many details about okay. it, okay. but... Everyone loves Anthony Bourdain. I know. So it's pretty exciting. I'm sure it'll be just fine. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure too. Okay, and the last article I had was in the Daily News a couple days ago, and it was about how Dunkin' Donuts is removing styrofoam cups from all the city locations in response to a ban. So this is uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio announced that they're banning styrofoam in New York City. Wow. And... I just, I mean, that's, they have, Dunkin' Donuts has 536 shops Oh, my goodness. Here. And they all have to get rid of their styrofoam. And that's like their signature. Yeah, it is. That's right. So, yeah, that iconic styrofoam. I don't know. Cup. You think of it. And, and I was reading the article, and it said that someone who, a manager there says, well, the styrofoam really keeps it hot. Right. You know? Which is probably true. I mean, you, you know when you touch a, a paper cup, it can be really kind of stinging to the touch. Not that that's reason <laughs> to keep, you know, something right. like styrofoam, which, you know, does not degrade, um, you know, around. You know, this is going to be better for the environment. Exactly. It's just a big, we'll see what happens with Dunkin' Donuts. Right. I don't know. I think they'll adjust. <laughs> I think they'll be all right. <laughs> and all the Chinese takeout places. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. All of the, the takeout, they have to change. When do they have to do this by? Do you know? Yeah, it said um, the effect in ban goes into effect in july wow that's not much time hmm. no okay. and that i mean they probably are well we'll see if they raise their costs exactly to reflect that yeah yeah well, although i don't know what a dunkin donuts coffee costs compared to a starbucks i'm pretty sure it's less uh i'm confident it's less <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> but yeah. it might might i don't know go yeah. up a bit we'll yeah. see yeah i think i'd be willing to take that hit though from yeah. helping the environment <laughs> yeah well, it's a good thing. Okay, so we're going to take one more break here. We're going to come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. It's all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Now, this week I'm talking about another restaurant that I checked out over the holidays. It's the Chef's Club by Food & Wine. Here's the rundown. 
the location, 275 Mulberry Street near Houston Street in Soho, Manhattan. The concept? An innovative contemporary American restaurant featuring exclusive dishes created by a rotating list of talented best new chefs. The chefs, executive chef Didier Elena, and the four featured chefs right now are Gabriel Rucker, Linton Hopkins, Eric Anderson, and Latchlin McKinnon Patterson. Why did I go? Because this concept is cool. And I love Food and Wine magazine. My experience? I went as a walk-in, and I was able to get one of the four seats at the chef's table in front of the pass at the very beautiful open kitchen. Chef Elena greeted me, and he actually took my order. The service and the food were phenomenal, and everything coming out of the kitchen looked superb. I enjoyed chatting with a foodie who was sitting next to me and meeting Chef Elena, who is actually now going to come on my show in a couple weeks. Ooh, that's exciting. Excited about that. Now, what did I get? Well, going in, I thought I was going to get dishes from different chefs, but then I decided to go with everything from Chef Rucker because they, they seem to go well together. So as an appetizer, I had the smoked and seared Hudson Valley foie gras, and as an entree, Le Pigeon, which is one of his signature dishes. My take? Both beautifully presented, rich and flavorful dishes. The foie gras pairing of smoked and seared was excellent, and the squab was perfectly cooked. The scene? It was a mixed crowd, mostly couples and small groups. The setting is, it's a modern yet comfortable feel. It's designed by David Rockwell, and there's a lot of statement art. There's this giant salt it's not even a cube. It's kind of like a, a chunk of salt hanging from the ceiling in the middle of the room. Wow. So it's, it's, it's impressive and, and very comfortable and at the same time. Okay. Uh, perfect for dinner with friends or relatives. Interesting tidbit. Food & Wine magazine launched this rotating dinner menu concept in 2012 at the St. Regis Hotel in Aspen, Colorado. Personal fun fact, I had dinner there in 2012 when I was attending the Classic Food & Wine in Aspen. The cost, $68. Would I go back? Oh, and that's 68 not including tax and tip. Would I go back? Absolutely. The website is chefsclub.com. Have you heard about this concept? I haven't. Yeah, it's there. I, I think for a few months, they, they bring in four chefs from all around the country. I mean, the chefs, I didn't, Great idea. I didn't name their restaurants, but once it's from Portland, Atlanta, Minneapolis, and Colorado were wow. being represented. What a great opportunity. You don't have to go to them. They come to you. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that was one of the reasons I got this Le Pigeon dish, because yeah. I've been to Portland, but I haven't been to his restaurant, and this is what he's known for. Yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. so it's it, it's it's a very, very neat concept. I have a question about that um, salt, salt block kind of <laughs> art. Can you just sort of scrape off it and season your food from it? No, it's hanging from the middle of the room, and it's it's pinkish color and oh. it's in a a glass box oh oh they're protecting it <laughs> above and it's near where it's like an open kitchen the dining room but it's like i wouldn't want to stand underneath it right. like no it's hanging <laughs> you, you can't miss it right um a little precarious though it feels like <laughs> yeah uh, we won't, wouldn't want that to drop on me no. <laughs> or you or anyone <laughs> Very salty. <laughs> yeah. So, but this, this, I, I mean, because the chefs are rotating, you can 
go back and, you know... And it's a new experience each time then. Right. And even now, I feel I only... Well, they also have dishes that aren't of these chefs that are Uh, just the restaurant's dishes. Oh, I see. So there's a lot of choices. Wow, yeah. And you just stayed with kind of one chef's menu, so you have other... I did, because at first I was thinking of doing one of the chef's, like, it was a grits dish, Mm. and then it just didn't seem to work in my mind, the flavors... So that's why I, yeah. I did that. Yeah, perfect. But now you can go back and try yeah. another chef's. Yeah, absolutely. Fun. Okay, so it's time for the final question. Okay. So next week, my guest is Keith Durst of Durst Hospitality Group. He works with restaurant tours, chefs, and developers to build and maintain relationships and place professionals in well-thought-out working environments. He also manages real estate transactions, hospitality operations, and development concerns. So, Nicole, what mm. what would you like to ask Keith? I would ask Keith, um, since he works with um, kind of chefs and restaurateurs, um, you know, chefs are very creative people and they like to evolve. And I think restaurant owners, if they're different from chefs, um, they, you know, have to think of the business. They might um, not be um, uh, comfortable with risk. So, how do you strike that balance if you're if he's working with a, a chef and a and a restaurant owner? How does he help them kind of stay on the same page? It's a good question. <laughs> Let's see. I'm glad I don't have to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be listening, Keith. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been so much fun. Yeah, I I love doing this episode with you and that you made the trip from Philadelphia. Really, really awesome. It was my pleasure. So I've been talking to Nicole Cotronio-Jolly. She's the founder of How Does It Grow? Telling the stories of our food from field to fork. Their website is howgrow.org. She's on social media at Nicole Cotronio and at howgrow. My social media is at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My website's BayerPublicRelations.com. If you miss a live broadcast, you can always find us archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes. Thanks to my engineer, Jack, and to Nicole, and all of you out there listening. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next Wednesday at 4 with another live show of All in the Industry. Hope you'll tune in there. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Everybody gets low, but there ain't no reason to worry.